oh, my mindset is good because I set ambitious goals. <laughs> like, and I focus on goals all the time. Well, it might work for you, but you might sacrifice your values at some point. You might sacrifice who you're being. You might not enjoy the journey as much. And at some point, it can definitely probably work against you and for most people. So there's a different way to do it. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Dr. Cassidy Preston, founder and mental performance coach at CEP Mindset. Dr. Cassidy is dedicated to optimizing the mindsets of elite athletes and high performers. His priority is to connect and understand each client and the unique challenge they are facing. From there, he creates practical and personalized strategies that deliver repeatable and reliable results. As a mental performance coach, he is the guy behind the scenes, helping high performers gain a mental edge on their competition. His clients range from professional athletes to surgeons, hedge fund managers, and CEOs. He has built one of the largest mental performance coaching firms in the world, and today, we get to pull back the curtain and learn the principles and strategies that the best athletes in the world use to optimize their mindset. Listen in for some great takeaways about the benefits of working on the most precious part of our body, our mind. Well, I have the pleasure today of being with Dr. Cassidy Preston, founder and mental performance coach at CEP Mindset. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Cassidy. I appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate it, Larry. I'm happy to be here. Let's dive in. Yeah, let's do that because as I was mentioning to you before we jumped on here, we have a listenership of entrepreneurs, athletes. So I think mental mindset is so important for all of the above. But before we dive in there, maybe you could just give our listeners a little 10,000 foot view of who you are, what brought you to becoming a mental performance coach and founding CEP Mindset. Yeah, so I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. I'll go on a few tangents here. The main premise is from my own actual hockey sporting experience. So I'm from a small town in Northern Ontario, where I actually grew up playing on frozen lakes and outdoor rinks, right? So I don't have the American dream. I had the Canadian dream, which was to play in the NHL, right? So this is a big goal. And I pursued that goal, worked really hard, played five years of junior hockey, but fell short. I did have a cup of coffee at the pro levels and played five years of university and really enjoyed my career. But one of the main things was my mental game during that time really kind of plagued me. I get in my own head. I felt the weight of the results. So focused on that, lose sight of like, my love of the game, who I was, who do I want to be in my mental game. So I kind of learned the mindset game, the long, hard way myself, got obviously really interested in it. It was like, oh, I'm going to go to school for this, read hundreds of books, learn from some of the best human performance experts in the world, like Todd Herman and John Demartini, and then started to cultivate my own mindset training system 
to help people get dialed in day in and day out, whether they're elite athletes and professional athletes or entrepreneurs and people in any day life where they just want to have a better mindset, show up as their best self more consistently. So we did that. And I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. And I was like, oh, I'll start my own business. <laughs> yeah, this goes. And then so did that and then created a bit of a team. And it's just been snowballing the stuff we do works. And if the people do the work, which we have to have the right clients, but when they do the work, they get results and it's been snowballing. And we have one of the larger firms in the world now and, and continue to go. So that's kind of the short form of it. It was kind of my own void and need to figure it out for my own self-preservation. And then seeing that there's this big missing gap in the sports world, but even in business and entrepreneur and life in general, a lot of people get consumed by those, the results and the goals. And we just do all this goal setting, but we don't focus on our mindset and who we want to be in the foundation because that's where it comes from. So that's the note of my story. Yeah. So obviously mindset was looking back as you were looking to what you were going to do in your next chapter, right? Mindset was really an important piece and component of your hockey career and your level of success. And you realize that. Why do you think mindset is so important? I mean, I have my own inclinations about why it's so important. And I'm sure you do as well, because you basically took what you were being challenged with personally and now turned it into a career and also a calling more or less to help countless others. So why is mindset so important? Well, I think it's the foundation of where everything else comes from. And you think of like the best athletes in the world, the best entrepreneurs, the best high performers in all areas, they prioritize their mindset first and foremost. Because when you get that right, when you click that in, when you're clear on who you want to be and how you want to show up, everything else flows from there. And one of the issues and challenges is people don't get that. It's like it becomes the last thing they think about. Their priority is, well, I want to achieve results. I want to get this status, achieve these things, get people to say this about me, whatever it is, these external things, which are fine to have as goals and intentions. But then they're like, well, this is the priority. Well, what do I got to do to get that? And the last thing they think, well, who do I want to be? Do I want to be confident? How do I want to show up? But if you leave this last, like, what are the things you might sacrifice? You might start sacrificing your values and who you want to be. And also, you might suffer because then you feel the weight of the results and the pressures and there's not clarity here. And then you're less likely to actually get the results. So the reality is the best figure that out and they prioritize it because it helps them achieve their goals. And more importantly, and one of the big things, you enjoy the journey a lot more. Right. Like one of the things that tears my heart out in any area of life, but in especially in sports is like athletes losing the love of the game. They forget why they were doing it in the first place. Right. And when they can stay connected to that and they have a mindset that fosters the love of the game and continues it going, they become more resilient, more confident. Everything else flows from there. The actions and the results come better. Now, it's not like, oh, you get the right mindset and guaranteed results. Like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Other factors, like you're not skilled and talented. <laughs> you're not going to score a goal if you don't have a good shot and don't do the other work. It's not to say it's the only thing that matters, but it's a good priority to prioritize. And the cool thing is it doesn't have to take a lot of work. It's not like, oh yeah, I got to work eight hours a day on your mindset. That was ridiculous. <laughs> like you got nothing done. So that's one of the ways I say why it's so important. I agree with you. I think it's like the cart and horse analogy, right? What do you have to put first? I mean, clearly you have to put the horse first, right? And if you put the mental mindset first, that helps lead the horse or the carriage, right? If you don't do the work, maybe you don't get there. But at least now that with the horse in front, you have a better opportunity of making it there when all said and done, right? Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I'll share with you a funny story with my son a couple of years ago. He was home for break and he's an aspiring hockey player as well. And he was going out to do his workout while he was on break. So there wasn't anybody telling him he had to go. It was him wanting to go. And he said, all right, got to go to work and put his bag on his shoulder and left the house. And I was like, oh, that was a weird thing to say. So (laughs) when he came home, I said, hey, you said you had to go to work. I said, is this starting to feel like a job, like you're not enjoying it anymore? And he said, no, no, not at all. He goes, I was just using that phraseology because I was grabbing my bag and I was leaving the house. He goes, I'm enjoying every minute of it and I wouldn't be doing anything else. I said, well, as long as that's the case, we're good. The day it starts feeling like a job is the day that we have to have a greater conversation. I think that's what you're referring to, really. Yeah, 100%. And it's so important. And that's what takes to entrepreneurship. Like, it's Monday. I love Mondays. I love coming to work, right? Like now, even in sport, but in work as well, there's not everything you're going to love all the time and some things, but generally speaking, like the majority of the things like create a field and a career and go down a path that is something you generally enjoy for the sake of itself and then be strategic ways to, from the other results. So great advice. Love the horse carriage analogy. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about youth sports for a minute. You've mentioned that parents often adversely affect their child's mindset without even realizing it. And I could probably attest to this also because I've seen it happen as well, or at least I think it's happening. What do you wish you could tell sports parents with regard to that and trying to avoid that? Maybe some do's and don'ts. Probably the most common and biggest one, I've got a bunch, but one of the biggest ones is the car ride home. A lot of parents will make a lot of mistakes in the car ride home, whether they should even be having a conversation is a whole thing in of itself. And often maybe they shouldn't, or maybe they should wait or find the right time because it is important for athletes to reflect, especially an elite athlete, one that's trying to improve and grow. They're just there <laughs> just to be there. Like there's just a recreation. Right. I'm like, do you really need to have a, too much of a car ride home? But for the ones that are striving to improve and grow, find the right time. But then the way the conversation should go, and I'm using shoulds there in quotes because it's like the ideal way is the athlete is leading the reflection. Some parents usually get this and they go, okay, tell me how your day went. What did you think you did well? Or what could you work on? And the athlete's like, I don't know. <laughs> and then they're like, well, then let me tell you. And then the parent pours into them. It's like, and they don't give them and force them. I'll put force in quotes as well, but force them to find a way to reflect and engage and learn to reflect because a great benefit of sports is self-reflection and self-growth and taking ownership of their experience in their career. But parents are often not aiding and encouraging that enough. And they kind of like interject or give their opinions too much or too quick and definitely giving them first is the main issue. So instead it's like, no, okay, I don't know. We'll try to come up with something like this is not an option and we're going to pay good money and time and energy to do an elite, like an elite level sport, then we're going to reflect. And now maybe you get a notebook and they do it without the parent or do it at a certain time. Like it doesn't have to be on the car ride home. That's pretty common. But so you got to have a process and get the athlete to engage in it and they get robbed of that. And then it becomes, oh, well, mom and dad's opinion matters most right? It's not my my opinion. Myself doesn't matter most of the athlete. It's like, you know, everyone else's opinion. And like, that's really not good for confidence and self-development and some different things. So now different degrees of this on ages. And the other caveat or thought process within this is around being too hard or being too easy on themselves. So some athletes are too hard on themselves. And then the parents 
overcompensate and like, oh, well, let me tell you all the great things you did. Don't do that. Because then you're just going to perpetuate the, them being too hard on themselves. Instead of like, do you think you're being too hard here? <laughs> Their job is to accurately reflect. Not be too hard, but definitely don't be too easy. And sometimes athletes will be too easy, especially if the parent, and often this might be the dad, being too hard on the kid constantly. And they're like, then they're going to be too easy as a coping mechanism. So again, your job is, oh, maybe they are being too easy on themselves. Ask them, get them to learn to accurately self-reflect and guide the conversation. It doesn't mean you never give your opinion and share, but taking a different approach to it is really good. And I'll give one other big tip, fundamental, which goes into that main thing we're talking about with why it's so important is getting parents to reflect on their own mindset because, and their own why they're getting their kid in sport. Right. And I use this example sometimes where parents will often hire us, myself or one of my coaches to work with their aspiring kid on their mindset. And some of them hire us just to help the kid get more results. So it's like the parent is very much results first, not mindset. They're like, so as long as the parents results first, how do they talk to the kid and interact and react and do all these things versus like, no, my priorities, I want my child to show up in a better mental state. That's actually what matters most. I want them to learn to better own their capabilities, trust themselves, interact with others and enjoy the experience. And yes, that will lead to results, but that's not the primary thing. So the parents in a better mental state and they see sport as a vehicle to develop life lessons, life skills, leadership, et cetera. And yeah, it can lead to external results, but there's this intrinsic meaning and enjoyment and mindset that gets the athlete gets to develop as well. So when a parent finally clicks on that, then they interact a lot better with the kid and the interactions and they don't say as many dumb, meaningful, well, but dumb things. And, right. And Makes the sense. car ride home goes smoother as well because, again, then they're going to – you should be – there's another should there, but you should be reflecting on the athlete's mindset as well. How did you show up and carry yourself? So My takeaway here is that it's complicated, right? Yeah. You have to find a happy medium, and the whole idea is to get and engage the athlete, your child, in a meaningful conversation that allows them to look at the situation holistically so that they can know how to deal with it, improve, enforce those areas that are positives, and maybe enhance those areas are negative. So it doesn't sound like an easy thing. But the thing I didn't hear you say, which I, I know a bunch of parents do, is <laughs> I didn't hear you say pay for goals. <laughs> that's a whole nother, I think, undermining situation when it comes to hockey yeah. in particular and other sports where they're goal oriented, right? So I didn't hear that. So keep that in mind, parents. Yeah. I think you have to be prepared, right, to win at the mental game. And I think like you alluded to, or maybe even said it straightforward, right? The mental game isn't about necessarily getting results right away. It's about kind of changing your framework and the way you're looking and thinking about things, which ultimately have the result impact, right? When that's all said and done. So whether you're a parent of an athlete, whether you're an athlete or an entrepreneur, what are three steps that somebody can use to help work towards winning the mental game? So the three steps we like to use are first and foremost, an assessment kind of idea. It's like, well, think of like building a brick house, you need a blueprint. <laughs> it's like, where are you at? What are your strengths? And what can you work on and grow? And it's all subjective, but it's like, okay, well, what am I working on? 
and we need common language and priorities within the mental game. And so that's what we do with athletes often is that. So it's like, okay, well, my priorities are trust myself more, more confidence, more attack mode, more composure, whatever the different mental skills are for that athlete or that person. Then step two is start to personalize the concepts and the strategies. So we have different principles around like acceptance, commitment, centeredness, enjoyment. And then we bring those to life through strategies like an alter ego reset routine, personal scorecard and mental prep exercises using imagery and coping planning. And there's a bunch of other stuff we do. But the idea is, is like, okay, well, let's find the strategies that work for you. And you got to play with it because it's not like it can't be cookie cutter, like can't be just fluffy stuff. It's got to be practical and personalized that then it's like, yeah, this is my mental game plan. And then you start getting momentum in this stage. And then the third step is like, well, then keep refining and upgrading because it's not like, oh, well, I did my two months and really focus on my mindset, my mental game. I'm good now. Like (laughs) now I don't have to do it anymore. It's like, nah, this is never anything. (laughs) We all got to keep reflecting and learning and growing. The saw always needs to be sharpened at some point if you use it a lot, right? Yeah, exactly. So you just got to stay on top of it. And sometimes you got to evolve and change things based on a new landscape or a new environment. That's the third general stage is like, we'll now keep tweaking, refining it. And having third-party sounding boards to guide you through that can be very helpful. But yeah, those are the general three stages or steps. I want to take a quick break from the show to talk to you about our latest best-selling book, Financial Planning Made Personal. It breaks down complex financial concepts into simple, easy-to-follow steps that anyone can understand. Everyone has a unique financial journey, and this book can help yours. Do you have your copy yet? If not, please go to financialplanningmadepersonal.com and order one today. And I have one more question for you. What did you do today that brought you joy? Thinking about that, right, and what we talked about earlier about results-driven, I think I heard you share one of your key strategies is to stop obsessing over results. And we kind of hit on that a little bit when we were talking about the kids and the car ride home, if you will. Why is it so important to avoid the results trap? And how do people go about doing that? Because I I think most people are results-oriented, right? They want to change something and they want to develop something. They want to improve it. And they want to see that change right away, right? Same reason why people join the gym on January 1st and come March 1st, they're not going to the gym. So, I mean, is that inherently the problem right there in a nutshell? or And how do people get out of that and avoid it? The results trap and this results first mindset I'll refer to often is very common. And there's nothing inherently wrong with, again, setting goals and being results driven. When it's your primary and main focus and main mindset and your main mental state, oh, my mindset is good because I set ambitious goals <laughs> like, and I focus on goals all the time. Well, it might work for you, but you might sacrifice your values at some point. You might sacrifice who you're being. You might not enjoy the journey as much. And at some point, it can definitely probably work against you and for most people. So there's a different way to do it. So it's not like it's inherently wrong and sometimes it works meaning like you can climb the ranks pretty good just being so obsessed by results and only obsessed by results is actually probably a better way to say it. Whereas when we get someone to break free of that or look at it differently and how to overcome that is, yeah, you can still really want the goals. 
right? And achieve those outcomes and want to get to the NHL. I don't want you to want it less. I'm going to be ridiculous. <laughs> I want you to be less driven to achieve your external goals. Like, no, I don't want you to be less driven. I want you to shift your mindset to prioritize how you're showing up and who you're being and the process and the journey. And it's such common language and cliche, like focus on the process over the results. Everybody says it, like focus on your mindset over the result. Like it leads to the the process leads to the results. But the problem with that statement is, oh, I'm going to focus on the process so that I can get results. Well, then are you really actually going to focus much on the process? (laughs) It's like, so, and a lot of people end up not doing it or doing it well. And then they sacrifice the process because it's like, yeah, well, I only really cared about it so I can get this. And it's like, no, learn to care about the process for the sake of itself. Again, it's not decreasing our drive for this, but we're increasing our attention and focus and understanding of the importance in and of itself of our mindset, of our process on who we want to be and how we want to show up. So that's how we start to break free. Yeah, I love that. And as you were talking about that, it reminded me of one of the reasons why I started my own firm, because one of the things that was happening with me working in a big firm environment was they were always talking about us or we should be focused on taking care of the families in the best way possible as a fiduciary. And when all said and done, at the end of the day, all they wanted to know was how much revenue are you driving for the firm? And I was like, well, they're kind of counteracting, right? Because what do you want us to focus on? They're two very different things. And what we've created here is we're solely focused on helping the families we serve. And our belief is everything else will follow, right? I think that's like a prime example of what you're talking about. Follow that process, take care of those families, the revenue, take care of that mindset. The results will end up coming. You don't have to focus on that end result, so to speak. 100%. And we even do that even with my own company because it's like we have to track sales and (laughs) we don't don't make sales and we don't have a business. (laughs) You're not a nonprofit, right? But it's like, well, (laughs) when we get to sell, we get to now impact people and connect with people. There's an intrinsic driver and that allows us to get more people and interact and get better at what we do. So there is external goals and intent and that they're tracked and measured. And we try to consistently, weekly even, connect them back to the intrinsic, uh, let alone daily, intrinsic why we're doing it in the first place and you keep that loud and clear versus it often gets watered down especially in a big organization and the leveling and maybe the messaging and how it was built and this is awfully i would also maybe highlight it's not like a new way to think because it's not like oh no one ever thought this way before but our society and the way it was built especially western society was very results oriented like you know, sure. go to work do this do, like is very like more transactional that way but it's not serving a lot of people right now, especially with the way the culture is going. And it doesn't really serve high performance, right? People that want to have the maximal impact, you're not going to do that generally overly just consumed by results and in that results trap. So it doesn't mean to not have it, no care. (laughs) It just means looking at it differently. And so it's very new that way. But these philosophies have been around for a long time. Sure. Along the same lines, you talk about the me versus me mentality. How can people use that to succeed? How can they utilize that to their advantage? Yeah, it's a nice little saying. One of my pro soccer players, we like to use it a lot. And the idea is like, instead of like, oh, it's me versus everyone else and constant comparison and external result stuff. And then all of the challenges that can come from that. And doesn't mean you should never compare yourself to other people because you naturally will. You want to do it in a healthy way when you do do it. But the priority is like, 
well, am I getting better than I was yesterday? Am I getting better at my mindset? Right. We get a, pretty much every athlete to come up with this personal definition of success or their personal scorecard. Right. So every day and after every reflection as an athlete or as an entrepreneur, it's like, hey, here's the things that we're going to define success for you. Right. What are the measures that are more intrinsic? What does it mean to show up and do well at your job? Like you got to define that. Without that, then you're going to end up being too much of the external comparison and you lose sight of who do you want to be. So it's just another way to get more clarity on that and focus on this and not get caught up in all the noise. Are you familiar with Dan Sullivan and the gap in the gain? Are you familiar with that? Yeah. 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 So I I think that's a great tool to utilize because I think we all get kind of hung up on looking at the gap of where we want to be and how far away that is instead of looking over our shoulder and seeing where we were a year or two ago and that gain that we accomplished over that period of time and doing that self-reflection of us against us and where we are in that continuum. Because that gap is going to continue, right? It's going to continue to get bigger. As you get better, as you improve, you're going to put those goals further out and make them even larger and harder to obtain. So it's important that you keep track of that gain and not necessarily focus on the gap, which seems very similar to kind of what you're talking about. A lot of these things are not, they're tried and true, they're old, but we all lose focus of them a lot. Oh, for sure. So you also talk about breathing being a fundamental strategy for helping with your mental state. Can you talk a little bit about that? Breath work and in generally our breath is a great way to get present. One of our core strategies is called a reset routine, which uses acceptance, which is a way to let go of the noise and deal with things and see them what they are. It's a, I call it a superpower because some people misunderstand it and think, oh, acceptance means we don't care. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, we still care. Like, we're just accepting and seeing things for what they are. And then, so that's the A. And then we B breathe, which allows us, if we want to be in a calm mental state, one of the best ways to do that is calm our body will actually help calm your mind. Your mind and body are highly connected. So whether that's diaphragmatic breathing or box breathing, there's a psychological sigh that you can induce. There's all kinds of different variations, but finding one that works for you is why meditation can be great too. It's practicing being mindful and which is everything we're talking about is mindfulness. So that's a core piece. So we accept, then we breathe and get centered and grounded and present. And then we commit. And that's now the one-two punch of acceptance commitment. Commit to who do you want to be? How do you want to move forward? And how do you, what's the next thing? And how do you want to show up? That clarity in your mind is very helpful. But it starts with, and the thing most people struggle with is the acceptance piece. And the breathing actually can help with acceptance. And the breathing helps bridge this, okay, accepting, clearing, getting present so that you can now commit. Because people generally get commitment. But often they're committed to what? Results. No, no, I want to be committed, committed to the process, to your mindset, to who you want to be and be really clearly committed. Not partially. One of the analogies I like to use is like jumping into the water. It's like you're at a cottage. Some people are partially committed. They put the toe in and they get out and they're staying on the dock. Like it's cold. It's like, no, no, jump in the water, commit. Right. That's okay. the kind of commitment we're talking about. And you do that better when you accept, breathe, and then just commit and you go. So That's how I like to talk about breathing, how it ties into one of our core strategies as well. Yeah, I love it. That's definitely very helpful. So let's talk about the mental toughness playbook now. That's something you developed. Why did you develop it and how can listeners utilize it? Yeah, so that was one I was doing for coaches. So I've done lots of work with coaches, lots of obviously lots of work with athletes and lots of work with parents and I have resources for them available as well. 
And the idea is just like getting people, particularly people in leadership positions, to better understand what's going on with your athletes and their mindset. That was like, well, here's your playbook. You've got your playbook for all your X's and O's, but like, let's give coaches a playbook on the mental game. So it breaks down a lot of what we've already covered today and giving coaches some resources on how to assess, how to then work with an athlete on that, how to work on some of those strategies and concepts, and then to keep doing the work. We do a lot of the beyond the X's and O's is another thing that we do on our website and podcasts and just getting coaches to reflect and leaders to reflect on thinking outside of just the strategic hard parts of the game, but the more intangible and mindset and human skills. So I think we did that about two years ago now when we started doing it. I know you're, you have the book, Mindset First. Is, yeah. is that a companion to the mental toughness playbook or is that a separate audience that you're looking to cater to with that? Yeah, it's my first main book is Mindset First. The mental toughness playbook was more of like a small workshop-based thing for cohort for coaches, whereas the Mindset First is the main now go-to. Like you're looking for something to like read and get into? Go mindset first. Like it has the stuff in that other template and it's expanded on it. It's about 150 pages, small, little, nothing too robust, but it's meant right. to be concise, practical, engaging, get to the point, help people get real value in a big punch with a, you know, what, yeah, packs a big punch for its weight kind of idea. Right. So, All right. Great. Well, that's the main book to get. Whereas that other one was one of the initial ones, just helping coaches more directly. It was a workshop. Amazing. Yeah. So you talk about the overthinking paradox. Can you explain what this is and why overcoming it is so important for success? Yeah, I'd love to. And I think it's funny because I think the financial world, it's an interesting one to think about overthinking too. So because sometimes it pays to overthink and overly double check things five times <laughs> to a degree, right? Like, it's like your accountant is like, yeah, no, I want to double check those numbers like five times. <laughs> But sometimes we get into the overthinking paradox and the rabbit hole and we can't get out. And it's like, oh, i got to think my way of overthinking. It doesn't work that way. And the contrast of decision-making model that I like to use and help you know, high-performers athletes, because sometimes it's not just an intellectual problem that we're solving like numbers, right? And you know, think of an athlete, they're on a two-on-one, should I shoot or pass? Like, there's no right and I'll put right in quotes, decision. And it's like, I got to think what's right. That player screwed. Like, it's not going to go so well. <laughs> they got to do what they feel is best. So feel instead of think and best instead of right. And this different narrative serves because it's more intuition-based. It's still thinking and decision-making going on, but there's a more intuition-based where you're trusting the feeling that you want and to use to make that decision. And like you could shoot or pass and both are pretty good. Well, which one feels best for you? Versus, oh my God, one's right and one's wrong. Like it creates all this internal doubt and noise in your head. So that's the fundamental way to look at the overthinking paradox is like trying to be perfect, trying to be right, et cetera. Well, sometimes when you're doing taxes, you might want to be pretty, <laughs> you don't right. want to yeah, just well, the Like <laughs> Certainly certain instances that you want to be able to do that. And then there are instances like when you're on a two-on-one, like you're mentioning that you just, you don't even have time to do, go through that whole thought process. And if you do, and you go through that whole thought process, chances are you are going to make the wrong decision because you will have missed the opportunity to make a decision in a lot exactly. of those cases. Yeah. 
So yeah. it's very difficult and great advice. And you have to be able to put yourself in, in as many of those situations as you possibly can, whether it be a two-on-one, a business opportunity, what have you, so that you're comfortable with and you know what the various outcomes are and what your percentages of success will be based upon those different situations well before you even are in the situation, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you can learn from it now by being in it. And and you can learn from it better when you're doing what you feel is best versus like, oh, I'm trying to be right. And now you're overthinking. Well, now you get to learn about it's a mental mistake, which is great too. But it's like, uh, call it what it is. You made a mental mistake. You're overthinking like in a business meeting or whatever. And it's like, oh, I stuttered through that whole thing. <laughs> like or I didn't pull the trigger, whatever it ends up being. So that narrative works really good. And a couple of ways to look at that as well. One of the best ways to minimize overthinking from a proactive approach is to think more before, right? Because the more you mentally rehearse, how could this meeting go? How could that two-on-one go? And how do I want to show up? Well, now you're more likely to do that versus if like you're not mentally prepared, then you go up and your mind starts overthinking. And one of my coaches and right-hand guy, Nicholas, is a great analogy around overthinking is often just your mind trying to plan on the spot. It's, but it's doing mm-hmm. it more in the subconscious. And it's like, Great oh, these what could happen is trying to plan. It does, doesn't do a good job of planning. And it's definitely not <laughs> while you're in the spot. So if you plan before, more consciously, think more before, you'll think less during those key moments. And you'll just trust and be and do what you feel is best. So Great advice. Really Great advice. Well, Dr. Cassidy, we've spent a good amount of time here where we are the Midland Money Mindset. We're all about joy on this show. And I think a lot of these tools that you talk about will bring people joy, more joy than perhaps maybe they're having now. But we ask each of our guests the same final question when we want to know, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Actually, I had a really good conversation with my number two, Nick, just managing my own overthinking about like my upcoming book, which will be live when this airs. <laughs> so the, and just dealing with like, there's just a lot going on in my work life and all these new things. So it's just being able to have that clarity and walk through that and have that sounding board for me was very helpful today. And then, so that was fun. And then I got to go and do after that, I'm working on doing the audio recording for the book too. So, oh, wow. so it was fun. Good so it was a busy you. day and then I get to join this, which is obviously yeah. very fun as I well. Know. <laughs> I did the audio recording for my book that we released earlier this year. So I know the endeavor there and I wish you all the luck. It's <laughs> just make sure you have the right mic plugged in the first time because I did a two chapter <laughs> test and my computer did like a reboot because it had to do an update. And when I went to do the test recording, it recorded through my webcam mic instead of my real like podcast mic. So the sound quality was horrible. Luckily, I only did two chapters, sent it to the folks, the editors, and they're like, this is terrible. You have to do it again. (laughs) And wasn't too happy about it. But in the end, it was well worth it. So my advice to you on that is just make sure you have the right mic for when you're recording. Yeah, I've been double checking. I'll keep double checking. I just got <laughs> Don't overthink it though. Don't overthink it. <laughs> I was overthinking a couple of times during today. <laughs> there you go. So, Doctor, it's been a pleasure having you on. We're going to have all of your information in the show notes, including the information for your latest book, Mindset First. But if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, find out more about what you're up to, what's the easiest and the best place for them to do that? So my new website is drcassiepreston.com. So that's the easiest. You can also find out more about my team of mental performance coaches at cpmindset.com. 
com, and on social media i'm on twitter at cassidy preston instagram cp mindset so if you just google my name i'm sure you'll find some different ways to to get a hold of me and yeah love to hear what people got out of today's episode love to connect online and obviously if you're interested you can find out more about our work and the book at drcassiepreston.com Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it greatly. Appreciate the time and enjoy the day. Yeah, Thank you very much, Larry. I want to thank Dr. Cassidy Preston for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Our minds are one of our most valuable assets and Dr. Cassidy Preston knows how to extract the best out of them. Dr. Cassidy shared some excellent strategies on how to start winning the mental game in a way that anyone can begin implementing today. For the hockey players and entrepreneurs, or any athlete for that matter, be sure to pick up his latest book, Mindset First, as it will certainly help improve your mental game. Dr. Cassidy Preston and CEP Mindset can be found across most social media platforms. All the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.